0: Hey, just jumping in here quickly because I'm really excited to share that I've just launched something brand new. It's called the Smell Gym. This is the place to exercise your sense of smell. I've got online classes for everyone, no matter your ability to smell or not to smell. As you know, by now I'm really passionate about our sense of smell and I want everyone to have the healthiest, most robust ability to smell possible. I invite you to go to my website, smellgym.com, and check out what might be the best fit for you. I'm Frau Kagalia and this is An Aromatic Life. Today I want to introduce you to someone who I want you to know if you don't know him already. He's a dear friend and someone I had the honor and privilege of working with for many years. He's a person I admire deeply for his sheer genius, his mind-blowing creativity, and especially his utter determination to continuously advocate for all humans, no matter their gender, sexual orientation, color, or creed. He's someone who provokes, makes you think about things, and can even make you a little uncomfortable, but in a good way. I'd like to introduce you to Christophe Laudamiel. Christoph is a master perfumer, scent composer, lecturer, writer, and chemistry champion. But those are just his fancy titles. I've known Christoph for a while now, and I can truly say he's passionate, provocative, incredibly interesting, and hella smart. I think after this episode, you'll feel the same. Christoph is a vocal defender of perfumery, and he's given over 130 speeches and lectures at scientific congresses, top universities, and political institutions. He's the founder of the non-for-profit Academy of Perfumery here in the United States. He's contributed chapters to reference books and has co-invented several patented or trade secret scent technologies for several companies. And for the first time in modern history, he allowed full publication of a complete fine fragrance formula by the International Fragrance Association for educational and artistic purposes. I asked him to talk to me about both science and art of perfumery, which is a really comprehensive subject as you can imagine. So in the end, we decided to split the conversation into two episodes. Today's episode is all about the science and the education of perfumery. We touch on a bunch of aspects in this area, including his path to becoming a perfumer, where he stands on the debate about natural versus synthetic, the science of smelling and how we perceive odors and a lot more. Just make sure you listen all the way to the end, because he gives great tips on how you can train your nose to smell more like a perfumer. So get comfortable, grab your favorite beverage, and enjoy part one of my conversation with Christophe Laudamiel. Hi, Christophe. Hi, how are you? Hi. I'm so glad you're here on An Aromatic Life. I think I'm, am I your first podcast ever? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I may have had a little, little one about the Googleheim a long time ago, but uh, it's true. I uh, <laughs> it's going to be quite a little innovation here. Okay. And uh, usually, I always talk with the video or with um, unless it's the radio, but the podcast is yet another system.
0: Okay. Well, we should have fun. It's all about yeah. the conversation anyway. So. You are so generous with your time. And we had talked uh, in advance a little bit about, I wanted to talk about the art and science of perfumery, right? Uh-huh. And those are two big subjects. So you've agreed that we sh- we're gonna separate them out. The subject that- Yeah, I'm so kind of I want people time. to
1: understand. You <laughs> see, people should think about perfumery like music. So would we say we want to talk about the art and science of music No, we would say music is the art and then music needs science to support the the art. Music needs biology to be listened to. You need your ear, so you need your nose. So you need to understand how your nose works. That's how I see it, you see? And so that's why I don't want
0: people to think that perfumery is a science. No more, no less than music, voila. Very good, thank you. So I wanna start with this, okay? I'm gonna read you something. So this is from Perfumer. I hope I say his name right, Jean-Carl. Yeah, yeah, Jean-Carl.
1: Yeah, Jean-Carl,
0: who founded the Fragrance House Givadon's Legendary Perfume School in 1946. So he wrote something. Granted, this was in 1946, so keep that in mind. But he said perfumery is an art, not a science. Scientific knowledge may even sometimes prove an obstacle. The creative perfumer should use odorous materials in the same way that a painter uses colors. So I know you Yes, 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 yes. Tell me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's yes, exactly yes. what I was saying just
1: before. So um, that, well, exactly uh, what I said before. That now that ties into something because Jean-Carl is also very famous for a certain way of teaching perfumery, and uh, I'm very glad actually to hear that from him, because um, uh, people should uh, understand that you don't need a chemistry background to be a great perfumer. So if you have a chemistry background it's going to help you in some ways. It's like in music, if you have an electronic background, or if you have a a physics background to tune pianos or to tune the violins and things like that, uh, that gives you another dimension. But you can be a great musician without knowing anything about electronics or anything about speakers or anything about uh, files or anything about uh, the resonance of uh, whatever uh, inside a violin. Right? So it's two different things. And uh, in fact, in music, they have a profession called sound engineers. Ah. Uh, pardon, in music, they have sound engineers. Yes, that's good. Right? <laughs> And people understand totally the difference between a sound engineer and between a musician, between an interpreter and between a music composer as well. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so it's exactly the same in perfumery. And uh, we don't have sent engineers. I'm proud to say I am one as well, because I love chemistry and I love to build my own speakers because we have very little speakers to do installation in perfumery. So because I'm a scientist, I can also create my own uh, medium, my own CD players to play the CDs and the song. But it's two different things. And I wish actually that perfumery schools actually engineering schools. For instance, University of Michigan should have a class about scent engineering yeah. because it's uh, for people that don't know, but the uh, University of Michigan is extremely famous in um, engineering, mechanical engineering, and uh, 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 what is it called? Uh, space engineering, etc. And so um, we should have the same for perfumery. See, I get the goosebumps because there are so many classes we need in perfumery, and then, same because we had COVID, we have COVID uh, in the medical uh, uh many med- medical schools they should have classes much more than just how to operate the the, the nose you know the ent sure, doctor yeah. there should be um uh much more related to the effect of smells on the brain on trauma on many many things we should separate all these things but voilà.
0: no i agree i agree well given that given that you agree with that sentence but Let's go back just to your roots a little bit because a lot, you know, many people who are going to be listening to this will know who you are, but there's going to be just as many people who won't know who you are. Right. Right. So I think you started as a chemist. Is that right? Can you give just a a quick. Yes. So I graduated with a
1: master's degree, valedictorian. That means first in class in uh, chemistry from Strasbourg. Uh, i 'm from the middle of France, uh, but I studied chemistry in uh, Strasbourg, and uh, I also won the French national uh, chemistry Olympiades and then I was bronze, bronze medal at the international olympiades and um, and then my last internship so I did some internships in some uh, chemical uh, companies I did some internships at Toshiba in Um, screens and you need a lot of chemistry to do like very nice screens but then my last internship was in uh, flavor chemistry for toothpaste and cough syrups and there's also a whole science of flavor behind that the real science of taste and bitterness and and um, so that's where I saw that actually flavor was really interesting and I went and interviewed with the perfumers because uh the perfumers use flowers and woods and musks, whereas the flavor is they use strawberry and mint and tea but it's still very limited uh, and me i have to tell you the truth in fact when i go even to a fancy restaurant or if i go to the soft drink department in a store i find a lot of things extremely boring since I'm in perfumery, it's extremely boring and uh, they have all reasons, Lara. But in fact, they have not reached the stage of artistry, but in even the stage of exploring everything we could taste in the mouth. So that's uh, a little that's a side whole other thing.
0: discussion. Yeah. <laughs> No,
1: No, it's interesting because thanks to COVID, people now realize how the sense of smell and the sense and what you taste in the mouth, banana, strawberry, rhubarb, is actually, you you get it from the nose. uh. In the mouth, it's just some sensations, uh, sweet, sour, etc., but not the actual aroma of things. That's
0: right. mm. No, so then you say you started as a chemist and you were at Procter & Gamble, right? And then from there, did you switch over to perfumery or when did you make- Yeah, so I was an intern at Procter &
1: Gamble in uh, flavor chemistry and then they hired me to start the perfumery school, which is also something very, since we're talking about science or let's say, or education in perfumery, uh, something very unique in perfumery. There are only very, very, very few schools in perfumery and only very, 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 very few (laughs) that are extremely formal. So right. there is no Harvard University of perfumery. I want to be extremely clear about that. There right. is no polytechnic of uh, chemistry. I want to be very clear on this. Um, so uh, there are three schools in France. There are some programs here and there, even those three schools, one school is not only nine months. So this is not like, if you do nine months of piano, how far do you go? right. right. So I just want to say, Uh, It's uh, very little and otherwise people are trained inside what is called perfume houses or inside a a a company like Procter & Gamble and uh, they hire you. So it's very unique. You're an employee. And imagine you're not a student, you're actually an employee, but you spend, for instance, the first year, two years doing nothing, only learning, but you are paid a salary. And the real manager salary, it's its a different thing. So yeah. uh, unless you're a fighter from the beginning, you are not taught to fight in perfumery because you have very comfortable conditions. You know, the university level, as uh, Elon Musk said, teaches you knowledge, knowledge, but also it teaches you grit. It teaches you how to react with other people. And perfumery, Uh, because we don't have that style of university uh, does not teach you that and so it's uh, uh, we are missing among perfumers we are missing a whole bunch that would be a different species if we would have real universities recruiting real students also with real scholarships by the way Ah, Uh, so that expands the thing uh, the diversity of things so me coming from chemistry it was Really a shock (laughs) to see how how perfumery was so limited, how since we're also coming from a very weird stage of democracy, how much nepotism Mm -hmm. and crayonism there is in perfumery. It's like unheard of. Even in music, that wouldn't be the case. You can be the son of J-Lo or the daughter. You're not going to go very far in music if you don't show your thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. And never the never the uh, I don't know, let's say never Lady Gaga would call someone at a recording studio, you know, my son, let's say she would have a son. These are two stories perfume performance you know, my son is at school, at college, he doesn't really know what to do, which means he's flanking all the classes and he doesn't <laughs> go anywhere. And uh, he's flanking his music classes, his philosophy classes, or he doesn't like chemistry, whatever, But anyway. So would you mind, he said, maybe he would like to smell, and uh, so would you mind taking him with you uh, under your wings in your lab and, you see, that's fine, but we miss other things. So people yeah. should know it's a very, uh, very unique thing. So I was at Procter Gamble and I did a Procter Gamble school. So Procter & Gamble, they have perfumers for Tide, uh, Ariel in Europe, or Lenore or Downy, uh, Don or Ferry. And uh, so all these things have smells and perfumes, Pantene. And behind, you have to have a perfumer that creates the smell of Pantene, which is as complex, just different parameters as creating a fragrance for Jimmy Choo, eh? because Jimmy Choo is also merchandising. And so it's two different ways of creating a very commercial fragrance. So uh, with a lot, some ingredients are, I would say 50% of the ingredients are exactly the same, even 80% of the ingredients are the same at our disposal. it's, uh, I learned that way.
0: I'm going to get on a completely different subject, but this is an important subject because, as you know, I am in the field of aromatherapy, even though I've spent a lot of time with you on the fragrance side of things. But yeah. I want to touch on this subject of natural versus synthetic. Are you ready for the discussion?
1: So first, I want to have a little discussion about aromatherapy. You do. Interestingly <laughs> enough. No, it's true, because I love the term. Interestingly enough, in aromatherapy, it's actually, we don't put therapy because therapy means you would be subject to the medical uh, regulators, to FDA or the European regulator for uh, yes. health. I guess medical. And yeah. You are not. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough. People should know that ingredients that are used in in aromatherapy are not even regulated by the internal rule of the uh, fragrance association. IFRA does not regulate aromatherapy which is a big caveat, I don't understand but they don't want to get into it because it's called therapy. Now we have to make a difference because we do know now that some things have an effect at least mentally on people because they cannot say it has a physical effect, otherwise they have to be submitted to FDA clinical studies. Now, the new thing I want people to know is because I have a lab now inside Roto Pharmaceuticals oh. in Japan. Yes. And it's called Roto Pharmaceuticals. So we have opened Bel Air Lab, which is a department, separate department, and we do a lot of artistry, a lot of uh, mostly ambient sensing, and technologies. Um, So we can talk that uh, in the next podcast. However, we did, for instance, a study with soccer players, and they sniff a smell before the game, at intermission, after the game, and inside the locker room. The results in an aromatherapy way, aromacology, we should say, aromacology way. So just from the smell, you get a certain state of mind. And which is, it was a true state of mind. You have physical reactions. You feel much more relaxed and we can measure that because you smell, they, I did not give them lavender so that they don't sleep on the- on Right, we, the, yes, we need to be fit for <laughs> the game, yes. Good idea. But as you know very well, you have things where you feel relaxed, but dynamic. Right? Yes. That's why yes. sprinters, sprinters, they need to feel relaxed, but dynamic swimmers as well. And so uh, the results were very good. So Roto, which is very unusual. I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, a fragrance company ever run a clinical. So Roto put the scent in a clinical study. Oh. So you have the scent now inside a clinical study in Japan approved by the ethical board, etc. So we are going now to go to the next level because Roto is a pharmaceutical company. So they are not scared to do a clinical study and they are not scared to make the difference between a fragrance that will be sold with a clinical claim versus a fragrance we have to start facing reality because it's true some fragrances can have a clinical effect and we know them now and some fragrances can be sold as a wellness as a beauty effect and so just like a cream uh, you could have a pharmaceutical cream to really trade treat a burn on your skin and you can have another pharmaceutical cream to ease the burn and we use them as well you know so these are two different things and we have to get to start getting used to that and in aromatherapy i would like to it's almost the reverse we have to clean up the stuff that is what i call upla boom la boom voodoo uh, traditional medicine of which 50% might work, but 50% does not work and is even dangerous. So we have to clean up because you know very well that some things do work. We do know uh, that orange, for instance, relaxes, but you remain alert and peppermint improves your performance in a gym and uh, lavender is you Uh, into sleeping. Mm -hmm. So these are facts because they were uh, cross-referenced in scientific studies, but not clinical studies, but still we know that they do work uh, psychologically and and so this is a very interesting thing that I find fascinating once you clean the crap. Uh, Another one I want people to know since we're talking about this, people that are in trauma, so meaning they are in coma even the last thing, the last chance, that's a study from Basman University, you get them to, smell. you put something under their noses. So imagine someone in a total coma. Yeah. You put them something under their noses. If you see their breathing pattern change, it means you have many more chances that this person will come back to life one day versus the person where totally in coma, you put something, so basically the nose is the last, last, last resort, because it's an automatic link to certain uh, nerves Neural in your functions. brain, yeah. without reason, voila, wow. so it's fascinating all these things, Yeah. and uh, so people should know, and there's a lot to do, but the first thing I want people to know, the basic, basic science so that they can make a difference between crappy claim on the internet or at the pharmacy. And the pharmacy is the same, uh, uh, dermatologists, pharmacies, they say as much crap as any people in those fields, because in perfumery, people say anything. People are allowed to say anything. (laughs) So this is extremely important that people have to... So I'm glad actually you're doing something like that, Frauke, because you know, the big picture, you know the science, and now you're specialized, you narrow down into a field of how natural products can uh, help us, but you know what is true, and then you're not going to promote things that are fake, meaning also they are dangerous, because if you promise things that are fake, I call them dangerous. It's not just, uh, no, it means you make people believe it's going to help them. It doesn't, so they lose time. They're being deceived. They're being uh, disappointed. And so their depression goes even further or plus they damage all other other practitioners. You know, it's a a nightmare, this thing. So people should know about that. There is something and voila. And it's difficult on the internet to make the difference between uh, crap and non-crap. And especially when you see people, how they don't know how to read the news to make the difference. (laughs) I love, but it's a tragedy between news that are totally crap. I mean, totally untrue, but because someone says it, they love to have this little drama and this little thing. And so, when it's with big human lives, you can imagine with plants, people can fantasize whatever they want. But at one point, we'll have to stop this whole uh, Hollywood movie and concentrate on what actually helps the people.
0: No, I agree. I think voilà. education is so important. On your on
1: your theme, Frau which was about uh, natural versus synthetic, so yes. people should know that the brain does not care. Okay, yes. the brain does not care what it smells. And so if the brain knows something, uh, it's psychological from the beginning that we say, this is natural, mm, it smells good. I have to tell you, uh, half the naturals, they don't smell good. They smell terrible, medicinal or dry or rough. Depends how you use them or they, do, they don't smell good. And then the synthetic, uh, half, a lot of them, half of them smell delicious. And the brain loves to smell things that are delicious. And in fact, Uh, people should know since 1850 so-called synthetic so meaning molecules made in the lab eh? are used in perfumery and in the blogs of the 181850 so they had blogs meaning they had conversation by mail (laughs) eh? so you write your question to the magazine the magazine asks a perfumer the perfumer answer in writing well anyway so they are conversations, I've read them from 1850, where consumers are complaining to the magazine. Anyway, anyway, now it's uh, perfumery is full of synthetics and and naturals are going to be less and less important. And uh, what do you think about that? We are talking 1850. So this debate is as old as uh, ever. And it's not this new debate and the brain does not care. Okay, so the brain is what you've taught the brain to think. And um, uh, so people should know that. Now, once you know the poetry the, behind some naturals, of course, it influences you to appreciate them. And also, some naturals are still fabulous. And even with synthetic, we cannot do better. And so they remain fabulous. And some naturals we could do as good with synthetics, but it would be too complicated, too expensive. So, why care? And then, uh, like a plain orange oil, uh, it's fabulous. Well, it's not expensive, it smells great. And I love orange oil, a nice orange oil. eh? And so they cannot smell like the cleaner.
0: I want you to talk about the fact, though, that people have this thing oh, natural, it must be safe, synthetic, it must be dangerous. That's just not the case. I mean, it's, it's That's natural, totally not the case. Poison ivy is natural, right? That's not safe. That's so not the fair. naturals,
1: <laughs> yeah, the naturals is just like mushroom, man. Huh? you have the good ones and the bad ones. And <laughs> <That's a good laughs> usually measure. on the market, we don't put the bad, the bad naturals. Although you know very well that if you put lemongrass on your skin uh, pure, you know that some people can have a bad allergy. Absolutely. You know very well if you put cinnamon or saffron, I did it because I was like, oh, if I, they always exaggerate. So let me do that. So okay. I put Saffron on my skin. It scratched me. I didn't have a bad reaction, but it really scratched me.
0: Okay. And so I did that with
1: another. I did, I did that with a molecule. Same, I was like, oh, they are so little. Let me see. I put 10 times ten times more. Well, it scratched me too. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it's all about moderation. So I'm just and then, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, it's just all about moderation and knowing Exactly, exactly it's- like
1: mushroom. Some are great. You can eat as much as you want. Some are great, but they tell you don't eat a whole bunch of, uh, of it. And uh, some you have to process them. So this is like potatoes, you know, raw potatoes are dangerous and toxic so you have to cook them we have some ingredients natural ingredients it's not about cooking them it's about purifying them so you have to process them in a certain way and uh, sometimes you use heat sometimes you use other methods not chemical to remove what's bad from them it's like the raw potato we could remove what's bad and then we could eat raw potato but who cares about that (laughs) but uh, so we cook the potato and that fixes it well For bergamot, if you cook it, it won't fix it, you have to remove it, but we have the same the same issues and then you have a great bergamot. So it's it's really the same uh, uh, complexity, but the same easy way to understand things and with synthetic Me, I I say molecules, people are fascinated by molecules, and some molecules exist in nature's, in nature, but we make them in the lab, it's easier, faster, and uh, we don't have to cut the forests or the flowers to get them, and then some molecules are brand new, just like uh, to make a a nice building, or to make an electric guitar, electric guitar is not natural, and I'm sorry, bird song is nice, but it's limited, and I have to tell you, for me, a lot of things in nature, I find them very limited. So for me nature is not the best perfumer. First of all, let's be clear with that. It's like you would tell me nature is the best musician. No, there are some great sounds in there, but it's kind of limited and and you don't go very far. So it's the same for me with smells. And yes, I love the smell of gardenia. I still find it a wonder and, uh, but I won't, I won't go as far as saying because it still smells just of gardenia. But it doesn't smell gardenia with cinnamon patchouli and I feel like I'm in a cozy lounge or I feel like I'm transported. No, 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 no. Well, it's still, you know, a pine forest. The <laughs> <A> pine forest <laughs> smells great, but well, it's a pine forest, okay? So uh, it's also beautiful. It's like painting. You could say, we only have photography and we only paint pine forest. you be like, I know, I want to, deconstruct the pine forest. Or I want to put a pipe in the middle of the pine forest. Well, the painter can do that. Uh, It's the same with us perfumer. I want people to to function with perfumery the same way they function with music and painting, both in terms of physics, what you cannot escape, the colors, the instruments, the electronics. uh, So we have molecules. And then in terms of artistry, but it functions the same otherwise. I have a question for you, Uh, you should mention at that point, uh, Frauke, because I'm interested to hear, because you are one of the rare persons that came from perfumery. Let's say where you see the whole picture, and then you concentrate on a narrow subject of using natural ingredients to improve the well being of people. And so, uh, what is for you the most fascinating thing that you find now that you're narrowing and you can concentrate on those natural ingredients that you had not realized before, for instance, or what is the, uh, let's mention from your perspective, how you're fascinated by what you see uh, now.
0: So for me, when working with essential oils and, and absolutes, let's say, or CO2 extracts, what I find beautiful for me about naturals now is how unpredictable they are. Because every time I'm very focused on, you know, every time I get a batch, it's a different batch. It's a different oh. the, the the inconsistency of nature, depending on the season, uh. depending on the location. So for me, it opened up a whole new world. Because I guess in perfumery, for me, probably because of where I was in perfumery, as opposed to you being more of the creative one. Um, things were so standard and consistent and you were always looking for the consistency. And for me now, with the naturals, I have the opportunity to explore nature in the nose. You know, like I can go and take a a trip with my nose to, um, I don't know, to the south of France and then compare that lavender to the lavender in uh, New Mexico. And yeah, Mexico and different places. Actually in, in California, you have a great farm. They do lavender, they do rose in
1: California. Yeah. I haven't visited them, but I would love to. We'll go mm. together. <laughs> I, know the, I know the lavender from Tasmania very well. Yeah, yeah. So here, what I, yeah, here I find, so here when we work, um, when you create a fragrance, so then we're talking okay, when you create a, a music, you compose a music, uh, I want this music to sound the same next year when I re-weigh the formula, otherwise it's a nightmare. Right, for most of the perfumes. And so it is true, the French houses are extremely good. They take the different batches, like Veuve Clicquot Champagne, they do that, so that the Veuve Clicquot, uh, every year tastes the same, the yes. Veuve Clicquot. But yes. inside the Veuve Clicquot, it's a combination of years, different years, different lots, that yeah. the Maitre de Chez, which is the wine master, uh, recreates every year. Um, I don't know in Veuve Clicquot, but I know in a cognac, you have 400 ingredients, which are all cognacs, but you may have 400 different lots of cognac in one cognac to, uh, I I think it's one of the upscale one, but to tell you, so if you may have 20, 40 different lots to recreate every year, and the friends houses, it's a job, it's a nightmare job. Every year, the lavender I get in the lab has to smell the same, otherwise I cannot reweigh my fouget of last year. Yeah, yeah. as perfumer, we do smell different lots because sometimes there's a, an issue and we have to see from what lot it is, or we travel as well. So we are exposed to the, these different kinds. Plus, when we have new ingredients, then there's a big selection. And the last thing I want to mention is I do uh, all the differences for Strange Love NYC. Yes. Well, in all the Strange Love NYC, I have the ingredients that are normed, if you wish, unusual ones or a lot of natural or expensive. But in all of them, we also source from around the world for each fragrance between uh, two to four or five ingredients that I add on top. So okay. not from the normal catalog. And they are exactly that issue because we had the uh, uh, Gardenia they, they, they try to change the production style. And I noticed this right away. And they, they called it Improved Gardenia. And I noticed I was like, no, but that so it was improved in certain way, but it was not improved for what I use it for. What you need it for, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh, and then the woods in each of the stranger, We have two different woods uh, coming from three different regions, and uh, for each supplier, each time there's a new batch because the wood business is totally not normed. And so, each time is a nightmare, we have to redose the wood, reselect them. It's like it's a, like the wine master. And so, people don't realize that, that there is this whole work in the background, so that there is no surprise each time. But at your um, in your job, if you don't take a normed lavender, then you're on for a big um, you're on for a tour eh? because <laughs> people don't know. But lavender can smell of goat cheese. Lavender oh,
0: can smell too dry, can smell of Vicks VapoRub, can smell, yeah. I
1: mean, this is a nightmare to and pick lavender. given
0: season. So the same oh. plant in the same location, depending on the water it's been given, the condition of the soil, the sun, you know, climate change, whatever it may be, it all has a- and critical... lavender, there is that. Plus
1: people should, uh, we have not studied the perfumery plant the way they've studied wine. Because wine, they only use one species called the grape. (laughs) (laughs) And then they have the whole industry based on one species called the grape. And then they have different varieties, blah, blah, blah. blah. But we have the cardamom. We have the patchouli. And for all of them, you could do a whole industry based on the cardamom. Yes. And the Sira cardamom, and when well, we have the green cardamom and the black cardamom, and one from India, the one from Guatemala, and the one extracted this way, that way. But you may have five, 10 different cardamoms. They have 200 different grapes and grape style. But
0: just to say, it's very complex that way. So I, I want to just talk a little bit because I, I find it fascinating because you have so much knowledge. I want to tap into this for a minute about the language of smells. So I want to talk about describing odors specifically why it's so damn hard to do it. Why is it so hard for us humans to talk about, not for you probably, but for the average person, it's really hard for people to talk about smelling, right? Or what they're smelling. Reason number one, they are not taught
1: at school. So can you imagine you don't hear about music till you're 25 and then you have to describe a piece of music, then what happens?
0: Yeah. I guess you're right, yeah. Number
1: one. Number two, so that's the number, number one reason because at least people could talk like perfumers. Uh, it's not that we are genius at all. It's just because we are taught a certain vocabulary that is not taught at school. So our dictionary, uh, it's literally that. We are given a dictionary that is this thick instead of being this thick, but is this thick. We are given a dictionary when we start perfumery school, when we're in our twenties. So, uh, well, that's a big reason. The number two reason is because the science is very, very early, very young, the science of smell. It's basically the science of the 20th century instead of the science of the 18th century that it started. And then the Nobel Prizes for the eyes, for vision, for physics, they were all given in 1902, 1904, 1920, uh, uh, you see what I mean? This was the the area of big discoveries. For the sense of smell, the Nobel prizes were given in uh, 2004, 2012. That's what we're talking. And to have a language, you have to have precise definition. And to have a precise definition of things, it cannot be like this. Oh, that's what I think. It smells like a rose, and like this, and like that, and like my mother's, my mother's drawer, and my uh, da, da da We hear it all. Well, so these are uh, totally fine descriptions, but these are not descriptions to create a language. A language, if I say red, blue, uh, yellow, it doesn't mean anything else. Red does not mean anything else. It's only a color. Blue the same, and yellow the same, and green the same. And so. Um, uh, in SMES, we don't really have that because we didn't have the science to define what red is, and to this day it's still very difficult. So that's also another reason. And then the third reason is because of those lovely philosophers, like Kant, like Bergson, and uh, this uh, dictator, <laughs> psychologist, because everybody's listening to him called Freud. So those people despised the sense of smell. Yes. They say it's just animalic. it's stupid, it has nothing to do with the human thoughts. So forget about it. Which means all the vocabulary that came up in the late 1800s when we developed more the sciences uh, and where we developed more the psychology and the philosophy of things, uh, that vocabulary we don't have in perfumery. And so all that has to be created. And in fact, uh, Catherine uh, Halley Epstein in uh, Oregon, yes. Yes. she studied the odor bet, the alphabet for smells, for odors. And we are populating that uh, book. For instance, why do we say, do you, if you, visit an exhibition, you shouldn't say, I went and saw an exhibit, you should say, I went and sniff an exhibit because maybe the exhibit does not have even any pictures. If you talk about the viewers, that should be the sniffers, maybe you know, it's even everyday vocabulary that has to be transformed. So that's the, that's the thing. And the last thing is, people should know that uh, smelling is not as subjective as as they think it is at all. Hmm. In fact, we the science says we, we we show that people are not different between each other at smelling that they are different at looking at things so people should know that first because mm-hmm. they will go, oh you know i see this way i see that way but in fact it's because they're ignorant and they don't know how to describe something to the point that one can say lavender another one can say bergamot another one can say earl grey and they're actually smelling exactly the same note in that smell because there's a note found in all these three things but people don't know so if you know you would say in fact you smell exactly the same thing you just describe it because one was raised in england another one was raised in provence and the other one was raised in calabria so they have different vocabulary because there is no thing there is no term to describe the yellow of this bergamot uh, lavenderish feeling that is very particular smell so uh, we should have a word for that. That is just that word. We have to create those names, and so um, people should know. If I yes, you know, you can argue. You know, when people argue, is it orange or is it a dark yellow? Or they say, is that a dark pink or is that a red? Yeah, no, we argue also. Huh? Yes, it's true. and then yes. You have people they see red instead of green and green instead of red so you have a few but we don't focus on those people, and we don't focus on the borderline things we know there are things that are borderline but we don't say you know it's subjective for everybody. No, so it's the same with smell people should know that when you have 10 perfumers around the table. From different country, different background. You have 10 perfumers around the label or 20 when you have a group of perfumers smelling together. We always agree on the description of a scent. We always people, I want people to know we always agree on the description of a scent. Then you like it, you don't like it. You think it fits in this room or it fits this client or it fits this project or it fits, it's going to fit your mother. That's another discussion. Okay? Okay. But I but want people to know the it, science. We, yeah. I want people to know the facts, and then we can have an interesting debate. Okay. No, oh yeah, don't. yeah. We don't. We are. Yes, it's true. We have four hundred receptors, or three hundred ninety-eight. Some people have two or three missing. Some people have two or three other ones missing. But you don't smell with one receptor at a time. I can go on and on with this. It's very similar the way we smell, and the human being can smell very well. That's also the thing some things we smell better than dogs well the dogs have a very sensitive sense of smell for certain things but we have a very good sense of smell as human beings so people should be aware of that too
0: right so when you're so there's one thing when you're smelling something and you can't put language to it very easily um, but then there's the other way where you smell something and you tell them what it is and they go oh yeah that's that is in there you know there's just that
1: so that's very interesting because, so number one, language is given by the right side of the brain and the smelling and the colors and the pictures is more the left side of the brain. Uh-huh. So if you don't create those, com- those, those, this communication, yeah, the language is more the rational side of the brain. Yes. Whereas yes. The smelling and colors and impressions, which would be an image that gives you an impression, an, an overall impression. That's the left, si- the left side right, is the creative side. And the right side is the rational that's right. side. Yeah. I think that- I think that's the way. But yeah. So as I say, and you can create those bridges all the time. Eh? So that's why when people say, I don't want to smell anything. No, because you're, you are becoming less intelligent. Less connection in the brain means less intelligent. That's the, that's the math also. People should know that. So smell, 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 and create all these different connections. It's like a game also. You know, you see something, you have to give a name. And so as perfumer, we are trained to do this. And sometimes even us as perfumer, we smell, we say, oh, what is, what is it? What is it? What is it? And then another perfumer will say, and we say, oh, yeah, that's it. So, so you're human, is what you're saying. You too have that experience. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah, it's very hard to smell something and thinking of something totally different. And uh, so we are quite good at that. But yeah, no, it's regular. That's why I say when you have all the perfumers together, one will say, oh, I see that. But no one is, oh, I see mushroom, and then nobody sees mushroom. And nobody, you know, that ne- I would say that never happens. That okay. only once is mushroom, and you're like, there's no mushroom in there because <laughs> you see yeah like uh well, you always have one person like that but not usually not among perfumers right. um uh, but what you're saying is interesting when people talk about blind testing yes. and i find blind testing is just like in wine uh, it's interesting but it should not be the only method to Evaluate or to assess. I hate the term evaluation. You don't evaluate a movie. Do you evaluate a song by Beyonce? You don't evaluate a song. You can assess, you can critique it, or you can give your opinion. So that term of evaluate should be banished from the perfume vocabulary. It's terrible. And so like evaluate like like you're selling, uh, I don't know, you know, like charlatans. And so you evaluate like this, you know. Uh, no. So The blind thing, same with competitions, there should be some blind competition and it should be some non blind competition. And if you think about it, a book, a poem, a poem could be evaluated blind, but a book is rarely evaluated, uh, assessed, or appreciated uh, blind. And a movie, obviously, (laughs) you never watch a movie blind to critique or to grade the movie, right? So, um, and sometimes in competitions, I, I'm often a judge in competition. It's not rare at all that uh, they give me things blind. And I say, you know, here, I see a gasoline note. And if I don't know the concept, it's a mistake. It could be a mistake because I know certain ingredients, smell of gasoline, including orange flower. And I know when you don't use it properly, it comes out. So if it has nothing to do with the concept, I know is the perfumer does not know how to use orange flower. If it's part of the concept, then I find it very clever that the perfumer has thought of orange flower, which has a gasoline note, to use it for something that has to be gasoline-y, like a Formula One thing. And that's where, and there are many other reasons why blind should not be the only way. So if one contest is blind, there should be, there's room for another contest that is not blind. So it's very interesting. but. But you see it. It's it's not like I'm telling you. As I say, there's mushroom or there's uh, there's rose. No, if you know how to smell, you to say I don't really see the rose. Are you are you kidding me? Or Correct. last thing, Frau I need to mention. Sorry, we have all these things because we have nothing at school. three hours now. <laughs> Probably you know, because I'm sure you smell a lot in your career. Everybody though, uh, and I think this is different from color. Everybody has a let's say two to four ingredients that that person not, does not smell well or does not smell at all ho- at all. Yes, talk about so that. We, yep. uh, so we all have the two or three holes. Uh, usually you're not the only one. Huh? So you have the few people and one of them, I don't smell the sweat in c- cumin. So mm-hmm. if there's cumin in the fragrance, I will see spicy, I will see sexy, uh, uh, exotic, but it's not smelling of the armpit at all for me and for a group of people. Huh? So we know very well, there are some, some people some much they don't smell at all. 30%, they don't smell very well so much. Some other people don't smell the urine notes in aldron. Some people like me, I'm very low sensit- sensitivity on cinnamon and mint. I smell them, huh? but I know I need a bit more. Uh, some people they take them very low level. So like some people, they hate coriander in food. So there are those things, the same way you have that in food and the same way in pictures, some people don't see some things in pictures and they still go to the movie, although they won't see some things in the movie. I'm one of them. I, I, a lot of things I don't notice in, during a movie and some people notice every details. So, but I want people to give some relativity to this and this is not the main difference between people. We smell very, very similar in the population.
0: All right, I want to talk about perceiving odors, OK? Yeah. Um, specifically, <clears throat> I want to talk about an ex- something you did. In 2017, you gave a talk at a public symposium called The Human Sense of Smell at Columbia University, yeah. where you did an experiment with the audience using sulfurol. Yeah. Do you remember that? Can you talk about yeah, that? Of course. What you of there? because I do this experiment. I do that
1: also with other things that people would know. I do that also with lily of the Valley. So ah. sulfur is a molecule. Uh, well, whether it's a molecule or not, it doesn't matter, but we have a lot of things in perfumery. Uh, let me take an example with color so people understand. If I show you red, you're going to say, oh, that reminds me of love, Valentine's day, the heart. Another person is going to say, Oh no, that reminds me of the firefighters. I just hate red. Some other people are going to think of uh, excitement, spices, heat, but positive, mysterious heat. So you can see how, depending on your mood of the day, what you've done the day before, <laughs> or yeah. of your childhood, you interpret something uh, one way or another. Okay. So it's the same uh, in perfumery. So we are here because if I tell you it smells of warm milk, you're going to see warm milk and milk or, or pudding or, uh, or, uh, or if you do the Dolce de Leche when the first step of Dolce de Leche, if you do it without, uh, in
0: the air. That's what you did, right? You, like sh- you showed them a picture of the milk, didn't you? Voilà.
1: So I put on, the, on, the, on, the, on the, a cup of hot milk on the- On the screen? on the screen and then people as people say oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and then you change the picture right away to the wrap of ham you know the ham under cellophane that you buy in the supermarket with the juice inside it has a special smell so this uh, uh it's not fake ham but it could almost be you know this kind of cheap ham in the cellophane in the plastic wrap voila so you open the plastic wrap so you put that picture and all of a sudden you see the ham the wet juicy ham like that And so, uh, because this molecule has these different facets. But I do the same with lily of the valley, this flower. And you show that flower, and then you show uh, the flower, or you show a pear, and people see the pear. And then you show green grass, people see the green grass, and they don't see the flower anymore. Because the brain associates uh, what's most direct, what's easiest. And it turns out that smells never smell of one thing we still don't know a smell that smells of only one thing. So blue can be only blue. Red can be only red. But a smell, uh, anything always has different things. It's more complex. Okay. And so even if you take cut grass, take cut grass. It smells of dirt, it smells of petrol, it smells of grass, it smells of uh, mushroom. It smells, or uh, you just do the experiment one day, you will see you have different smells. Take a strawberry, it smells green, it smells sweet, it smells caramel, it smells strawberry-like. Uh, some people might say uh, uh, passion food or pineapple because you also have those notes in there. So it's complex. And uh, so then the brain, the eye is going to manipulate the brain to connect the dots. And so that happens all the time. So it's fascinating and I want people to know about that. And the same smell, whether they smell it in their living room or the next day at their friend or the next day in the car, or they, they'll be like, oh, but that's not the same. Or oh, they've changed the smell. Or, oh, but no, I didn't remember it that way, or, on yeah. a, or this or that. Uh, the look influences the smell. You taste the wine the same, eh? if you taste the wine in a red glass or in a green glass or in a, a transparent glass, you will have three different wines, do this at home. Coffee, take three cups, three mugs. Okay. Three mugs, different colors. Take a tea, even worse. You take one cup (laughs) of tea, but you take three spoons of three different colors. Oh, I've done it. Okay. You take one cup of tea and three spoons. You take one spoon, you drink the tea. You take another spoon, you be like,
0: huh? I guarantee you, it is crazy. It's crazy. So it's kind of, Yeah. yeah, our sense of smell is so unique, isn't it? It's amazing. All right, so I want to talk about odor compositions because this can apply whether you're in perfumery, whether you're just blending essential oils, whatever you're doing. There's something called the Lang Limit, the fact that we can't smell more than four odors, right? You're probably familiar with that. What Um, did you call it? I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, the Lang Limit
1: oh l-a-i-g the australian guy that that uh that, that, discovered n- that, that. termed it yeah yeah that that, that that's his name ordered... that's his name it's a publication by uh boy, i don't know i mean i don't know lay yes okay so, in fact uh yeah after four it's messy and and after eight you go nowhere yes
0: yes so i mean that's just that's just a fact so there's also something called olfactory white where once yes. you smell about 30 components, the mixture begins to smell the same. So, olfactory well,
1: white, uh, cut it 30, that white if note. 30 if they are mixed properly. Huh? It's like the color white. When you mix some colors, uh, you get into a white color. That never happens when you do painting. Huh? I've never seen anybody <laughs> <laughs> mixing the pigments and get white. You get caca, but you never get white. So, unfortunately, but with smell, it's much more common than in painting. So um, to the despair of perfumers, it happens to us regularly. You add an ingredient and the whole thing disappears. And you're like, oh, holy cow. No, it's true. eh? That happens regularly when you create a fragrance. And uh, in that scientific studies by Noam Weitzmann Institute, yeah, he showed that you have to have about 30 smells. It's much easier to do. And then you get those olfactory whites which are fascinating yes i know it it's is.
0: cool it's so cool i think you worked on something with me once um when we were working i together. called it the
1: smell of nothing
0: yes yeah. that's what it was i smelled that
1: i loved it <laughs> yeah voila. so it's you want to create the white paint i do that a lot because some spaces you don't really want to have a smell you just want to have something fresh and the space never smells fresh by itself unless you open the window and then the uh, Bon, so uh, it's just like white paint and uh, I need to blend it so that at the end it smells of, I call it nothing, or it will smell of little things like white and you, it's never white, white, you know, it's always white peach, white cold, white warm, white blue, uh, the white, the, paint, the painters they always go on our nerves with that, oh, what kind of white do you want? I just want white. Well, no, there is not just white. And so it's the same perfumery, but you get these these things. Yes, yes, yes. for malodor control is also very good because if you can have the malodor, one of those things, and then you put the stuff around so that it cancels, and then you get a white space, including the malodor. So that's cool too.
0: I want to finish off by talking about education because we talked about how important education is, right? So you're the founder yeah. of a nonprofit Academy of Perfumery. In the US yeah. here. Tell us about that organization and, and why you founded it and what you hope to do with it.
1: So the Academy, which is a little bit on pause at the moment, because it's all volunteer and it's all, uh, mm-hmm. well, but the Academy, my, my first uh, thing is I want to be considered uh, as a, as a discipline. I want perfumery to be considered like music architecture uh, to be represented in the national academies. So the Royal Academy of Art in London, there are no perfumers. In the Art and Science Academy in Cambridge, Massachusetts for the US, there are no perfumers. Uh, In the uh, Academy des Beaux-Arts in France, you know that they have a guy who represents the metal metal makers. So the metal makers, in all due respect, have their academician at the Academy des Beaux-Arts in Paris. But there's no perfumer in there. So that's not normal. So that was for me the ultimate goal. And then along the way that we uh, do some um, uh, educational initiatives. So one was to, is to represent the Osmotech here in the US to give historical classes, to show what's new and what's actually not new in perfumery, but also to give some more uh, meat to uh, perfumery with a capital P. And then uh, I did uh, at times some uh, classes in elementary schools. And one day we have to give some scholarships or so. There is no contest in America nor in France to win two or three scholarships to go to perfumery schools. But you have contests to win scholarships to go to chemistry schools, to go to music school, to go to, you see what I mean? Yes. So that, that should also become a, a tradition in the perfume industry. So it's a lot to put in place. I, I'm thinking of that because I'm coming from the chemistry, uh, academic uh, point of view. And there you have, of course, an Academy of Chemistry of Science. You have all these kind of voluntary programs. And, and we need that desperately in perfumery. Now, I mean, is there a website where people can visit? Or is it? Oh, no, at the moment, as I say, it's so, we did get the nonprofit status, but, uh, Right before COVID already, I put okay. that on board because I only have, had one person, she moved to the UK to help me. And then it's very hard in perfumery to find volunteers. We are not a volunteer. Um, uh, in science, people do a lot of volunteer work, but in perfumery, no, we are not <laughs> a volunteer. No, it's true, we're not a volunteer group here. Culture, no. Yeah, because everything was secret. So there was never thing to volunteer, to educate, to volunteer to do events. No, the events are only organized by brands. Uh, You see, there was not, it's a very different culture.
0: You're also working with the GCCR, the Global Consortium for Chemosensory Research, right? Given the whole COVID-19 situation? Yeah, so COVID-19, so one of the
1: among all the tragedies, like a, a, well, it's not like a war. War is much more uh, disastrous and terrible. But in, in a, real, a crisis like this, where things stop to run, um, one thing that, that came out, we, no one would know, knew, is that the virus enters via the olfactory system. And so that put the olfactory system on the map, which, for perfumery and olfaction, is a blessing because all of a sudden there are all these budgets to study more the sense of smell, and <clears throat> they uh, some people from uh, Monell and Penn State created that group in March, and invited right away anybody who was interested in science and the sense of smell. So we have clinicians, we have uh, ENT doctors, we have. Uh, uh, Do you know that La Scala in Milan has their full-time ENT doctor? It's a doctress, a lady, really nice. So she's part of the group. So her full-time position is to be the ear, nose, throat doctor for La Scala of Milan. Is that fabulous? Wow. (laughs) Isn't that fabulous? I don't think think the Met in New York or the the, the San Francisco Opera, I don't think that they have a full-time position for an ENT. Yeah, it's quite amazing, no? (laughs) <laughs> so she's in there, but yeah, 600 plus scientists from 64 countries, and uh, it's all voluntary. We share, we, we design some studies, uh, two have been published now. They are designing more studies. Now, what people should know is that they have three tests that people should take. So if you are having COVID as we speak, you should answer the survey to help science understand olfaction and understand COVID. So answer please the survey if you're having- I'll put that in the show notes
0: so people can get to the link.
1: That survey is translated in like 30 languages. So you have no excuses not to do it. Whether you you speak uh, Urdu or you speak Turkish, you speak uh, whatever, just about whatever, uh, you can take the survey. And then for anybody, they have two tests, uh, one about 20 minutes and one very short but to do on 30 days, a very short one, to test your sense of smell. And, if you, and, and you just by smelling your coffee or your tea or, or apple juice. Eh? So things you have in your kitchen. Take the test, and then you can see if it goes down, then you have to go see a doctor. Or if you notice or understand you smell nothing, you have to go and see a doctor because, believe it or not, some people, it, it takes them a while to realize <laughs> they out. smell nothing. Yes, yes. It's not like blindness. And then once they realize it's a nightmare, then they are yeah. depressed, it's terrible. Well,
0: yeah. Plus
1: they may have a condition, huh? so they may have COVID, they may have Alzheimer's, they may have Parkinson, they may have other uh, tumor uh, in the brain, etc. So if your sensor smell goes down significantly, uh, you should go and see a, a doctor. So we have those three, um, one survey and for the COVID and otherwise two smell tests that people should go on, GCCR, uh, you can find Not the more, website. I think Yeah, I, I'll, yeah. I'll put the,
0: the exact website on the, in the show notes so people can- And go. it's really,
1: well, it's really to help uh, science and, and give a boost to olfaction because we also have people that cannot smell on that group uh, because it gives also certain learnings and uh, for them and for us. So it's a very, very, it's a very unique group. Huh? It's like all, imagine all the eye doctors and I think I'm on the only perfumer on that group.
0: Okay. But
1: otherwise it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's cool. one.
0: Good, all right. I think I've taken up more than enough of your time here. I wanna thank you for thank talking you. about the science side of things, the chemistry side. I'm, we're gonna mm. regroup in the, in the future and talk about a whole nother area the art side, the artistry of perfumery, because I think there's a lot to talk about there and there's some amazing things you've done in that area. That's why we wanted to separate it out too, because there's there's so much to talk about there. But for now, I just want to thank you for coming. And you have one last thought? Yes, I want people to
1: realize, everybody asks how they can get trained or even if they don't want to get trained, people should know um, how do they select stuff and, if, this, if they want to buy some oils for aromatherapy, yes. if they want to buy coffee, if they want to buy ricotta, if they want to buy olive oil, never buy one, buy two or three or four of the same thing. So if they have three lavenders, buy all three. And I'm not, I don't have any stocks in the lavender business, I'm just telling you, <laughs> I have zero stocks. I have zero stocks in the ricotta business. I have zero stocks in the matcha. Go and buy three different matchas and and have them the same way and compare them. And then you will see the differences. Your brain has to see the differences to appreciate the quality. Even next time you will smell one lavender, but the brain will recognize already, oh, no, but that seems like. Uh, Go and smell three different Cabernet Sauvignon and you will see most likely one of them will smell of the tuna fish box, the tuna fish can. And you have to do it once to see the tuna fish can in the Cabernet Sauvignon and then you will not miss it each time you see it. I know that's not a good Cabernet because the guy did not know how to remove that note, unless you love it. it, But it's the same, same with the uh, lemons, go and buy some nice lemon oils. Uh, because those they can turn bad really fast so see the the mandarin same by three different mandarin Uh, Oils, and then you will see, I want people to realize, and yes, it might be that you trash one, but it's the cost of training, it's the cost of learning. So you don't go to school, that would be a cost. You don't buy textbooks, they are just a few. So the cost is you buy three and you toss one and one you give to your friends, the one that you don't really like, you give to your friends and the (laughs) one you love, you keep for you. That's how it works. (laughs) Well, I good job. (laughs) so many times. So many times I trash what's like really not interesting. And I'm not going to buy to eat chocolate. I always buy two or three. And it's a cost of training. And usually the one that I really don't like it. I really trash it, I don't even want to give it to someone. And then there's one that's kind of okay. And I give it, I say, you know, it's not the best or it's not one that I want to study further, but you know, it's very good. And so people are right, give it to me. And then there's the one that you continue study. So uh, people have to know, compare everything that smells by two or three. You even uh, at the coffee store, you order two cappuccinos and then you toss one if they have two different coffee styles, you know? No, it's true. It's very, very interesting, but that's how you learn and, and that's how you grow. Well, I think it's very important to say that.
0: Oh, that's, that's a wonderful way to end. Thank you. Is there a way just uh, people to be able to find you if people want to connect with you because they're very curious. Oh yeah, but the
1: one thing I follow very closely is the Instagram. That's my one platform. Uh, although it belongs to Facebook and I'm really anti Facebook, but uh, it's the one platform where I try to answer most questions and where I post a lot of learnings like that. That so my platform is not to show my shoes or yeah, uh, t- yeah. but I show how I try different things. I show facts about the sense of smell and I, I show humor and I show yes, and I show, show a lot for against uh, racism, against uh, uh, all this kind of stuff. So I'm very active in that Uh, and uh, it's quite important. All right, we'll
0: put that in the show notes they can find you there. And absolutely, I know you do answer the questions there. So that's the perfect place for people to go visit you. Wonderful. Thank Thank you, Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Very nice that you organized
0: this, thank you. Wow, wasn't that great? Can you feel the passion and energy in Christoph's voice? He cares so much about perfumery, about sharing knowledge and helping people to get information and access to perfumery. I've got lots of information and links about Christoph's work in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. And I highly recommend following him on Instagram if you'd like to continue to learn about perfumery because he does share a lot there and often does Instagram live sessions too. But right now, I just want to do a quick wrap-up, as I always like to do. Let's just take a minute to reflect on what we can take away from this conversation. So one thing for me is, whether you're interested in perfumery or not, I hope you walked away with this bigger umbrella theme that smelling is so important. I mean, think about his final message. The one thing he wanted us to take away from this conversation And that was to train your nose, smell everything, compare smells, have your brain register the differences in smells. It's such a beneficial exercise for your sense of smell. The reality is that our sense of smell begins to diminish as we age, just like our eyesight and hearing. But we can train our nose to keep the neural pathways to the brain firing simply by focusing on smelling. So enjoy smelling. Engage with your sense of smell and try some of these exercises Christoph mentions. I know I'm going to compare what a cup of tea smells like in three different colored mugs. I think that'll be fun. I'm going to compare how that one batch of liquid can smell so different when you see different colors. All of it, all of what he says, it's all fun exercises to try out. So learn more about your sense of smell. Then maybe take it a step further and talk about what you smell. Put language to smells. Say it out loud. That's the hard part for us. But it's really good practice so you can use different parts of your brain. It's like a brain aerobics exercise, if you will. Simple, but it's really effective for keeping your brain sharp. So try saying what you smell. Don't be shy and don't think too much about how you have to say it, if you have to say it in a particular way. Just call it out as something. That's the way to start. Because I think a lot of us just have this hesitation. I don't know what it smells like. Somebody's going to quiz me on this and tell me this is wrong. The truth is, if you just start practicing by saying something, start maybe with, this smells loud, this smells soft, this smells aggressive, this smells weak, this smells, I don't know, citrusy, this smells woody. Just basic words, something to get you to start putting language to smells. Over time, the more you do it, the better you'll become at describing smells. That's how every perfumer starts. And it's just simple. Practice, practice, practice. So I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode. Did it make you think about things a little differently or maybe in a new way? What did you find most interesting? Send me a voicemail and let me know your thoughts. It's really easy to do. There's a link right in the show notes, which will take you to where you can leave me a voicemail. I'd love to hear. Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.